Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by Sup China. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. And I'm Ada Shen in Paris. First, a look at this week's news. Stocks jumped and the yuan strengthened Friday after Presidents Xi Jinping and Donald Trump had what Trump called a long and very good conversation about trade. The upward mood swing has raised hopes that tensions between the two countries may ease and Trump will be less likely to go through with his threat to impose an additional $250 billion of tariffs on China, effectively punishing all Chinese imports to the U.S. Google Chief Executive Officer Sundar Pichai says the company's controversial project to develop a search engine for the Chinese market was an experiment. The search engine for China, nicknamed Project Dragonfly, was revealed earlier this year in news reports, spurring criticism from U.S. politicians, human rights activists, and some employees at the Alphabet unit. Company workers said a filtered search engine would be in conflict with Google's values. The CEO's new comments contradicted reporting by The Intercept, suggesting the project was in its mature stages. President Xi Jinping reaffirmed support for the country's struggling private enterprises as the government steps up measures to bolster a cooling economy. The government will ease business costs with tax cuts for small businesses and tech startups, promote financing for the private sector, and encourage local authorities to offer aid to private firms, she said at a seminar with private executives. The president's remarks came at a time of heated debate over the idea that the private sector is, quote, leaving the stage, unquote, as discussion participants put it, following a wave of takeovers of private businesses this year by state-owned enterprises. Private companies, which have long faced higher hurdles in obtaining financing compared with state-backed competitors, have also been hard hit by the government's years-long debt reduction campaign. China is set to end the years-old practice of verbal guidance as a way of regulating its stock market in an effort to reduce trading interventions and create a fairer environment for investors. 
The Shanghai Stock Exchange said that it would no longer use this practice, known as window guidance, and that it would largely hold back from restrictive measures, such as suspending trading accounts. Instead, when it comes to activities such as excessive speculation, it would mainly turn to sending letters to its members, urging them to point out trading risks to investors. Verbal guidance has long been employed in China in times of major market fluctuations, alongside measures such as trading restrictions, aiming at stopping episodes of massive stock buying or selling. But this has drawn complaints from some investors who charge that regulators' actions sometimes favor one party over another. The former number two of China's welfare lottery system, Feng Lijie, is being investigated for corruption. The latest in a string of similar cases. Last month, his former boss Wang Suying was put under investigation, and two of Wang's predecessors have also been investigated and punished: one for corruption, the other for neglect. An investigation by the National Audit Office, the largest ever audit of the lottery system, found that 2.5 billion dollars out of 10 billion dollars in lottery funds handled between 2012 and 2014. Had been misappropriated. China has two state-run lotteries: the China Welfare Lottery and the China Sports Lottery, with other forms of gambling banned on the mainland. China Railway Corp reported its best-ever performance for the first three quarters, with its normally sizable losses shrinking dramatically as it benefits from national environmental protection policies that are pushing more companies to use rail to transport goods. CRC posted a net loss of 4 million U.S., sharply down from the 160 million U.S. net loss over the same period last year. The state-owned rail operator said, "This is CRC's best performance since its creation in 2013, when it was spun off from the now defunct Ministry of Railways as part of Beijing's effort to revitalize the country's state-owned assets." The strong results were mainly due to a ban on transporting coal, ores, and steel by road, which was implemented last year in polluted northern Chinese regions such as Hebei Province. Still, the national operator is saddled with massive amounts of debt after years of frenzied investment to expand its railway networks. Speaking of pollution, much of North China saw heavy smog this weekend, but officials were eager to deny reports that there had been a slackening of anti-air pollution efforts. Those reports had noted that the Environment Ministry had lowered pollution reduction targets for the October to March period, typically the smoggiest time of year. After the announcement, some media outlets suggested that the target may have been revised in order to offset slowing economic growth caused in part. By trade frictions with the United States, which the ministry denied, the ministry cited adverse weather conditions that it said would make even hitting revised targets difficult. Robot receptionists and facial recognition-powered door locks. Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba has unveiled its quote hotel of the future close quote. Flyzoo Hotel, a two-block low-rise building that will open its doors by the end of the year, is located in the company's headquarters compound in Hangzhou, the touristic capital of Zhejiang Province. The hotel is near a national wetland park and is less than an hour's drive from downtown. Alibaba has come to dominate the online shopping space in China, and is now seeking to combine its online know-how with offline powers. But the news came just days before Alibaba's disclosure of dour quarterly results. 
Its profit dropped over 40% in the April to June period due to increased compensation for its ant financial staff. Thanks, Ada. Let's turn now to some of Caixin Global's reporters and editors to look at one of the big stories in the news this week and its impact on China. So Brazil held its presidential election last week, and the winner was someone who's been called the Trump of the tropics, though a reporter friend of mine in Southeast Asia actually had already awarded that title to Rodrigo Duterte of the Philippines, who she calls Tropical Trump. Anyway, I am joined by Olivia Ryan and David Curtin to talk about what this means. Olivia, what happened with the Brazil election? And then maybe we'll, we'll get into what this means for China, but what happened with the election? Brazil had the second round of their presidential elections, and Jair Bolsonaro won 55% of the vote. If you had asked anyone in April if he was going to win, they probably wouldn't have expected this. He's extremely right-wing. He calls himself a homophobe. He's very proud of that, admires authoritarian systems. So it's quite a shock to the world's fourth largest democracy. And David, turning to you, uh, what does this mean for China? What's significant about this in terms of China is that on the election campaign, Bolsonaro made it very clear he was taking an anti-China stance. He's complaining about China being willing to or looking to buy Brazil, not to buy from Brazil. And so this is you know, going to cause some concern in Beijing that they're now facing dealing with someone who is very clearly anti-Chinese, or at least has been up till now. Uh, China's been a major investor in Brazil. I think it depends on who you ask, but over the last five years, they've invested around $63 billion in the country, uh, a huge amount of that into Brazil's ample energy resources. So for those in Beijing, there's a question of what does this mean for us now that we have to deal with a guy who might take a different tact than what we've seen previously. Another problem for Brazil is that it's dealing with the fallout of a huge scandal that's broken over the last couple of years and actually led to one of the former presidents being impeached, involving the state-owned energy company that had a huge amount of political influence in the country, but was also getting into huge levels of debt, trying to promote all sorts of different projects, both inside the country and out. Now, what the previous administration did to try and help alleviate some of those debts is turn to China, which obviously looking to expand its resources in the region, but also having a lot deeper pockets than what Brazil could afford. So not too long ago, Chinese state-owned companies announced that they would put together a joint venture with uh, Brazilian companies to try and rescue a $16 billion oil refinery that's just been sitting doing nothing in Rio de Janeiro for the last couple of years because money ran out. But with uh, Bolsonaro, he's traditionally taken on a very nationalistic tone when it comes to state-owned assets, talking about how these should remain in the hands of the state. So this entire strategy of allowing China to come in and alleviate some of these debts, but also gain a foothold in the country, now seems to be slightly imperiled. Is it likely to play out as bad as the rhetoric would suggest? Or do you think that uh, he's going to moderate his stance once he's settled into office and faces the exigencies of actually governing? So for his minister of the economy, he has appointed this guy who is very pro-neoliberalism, very pro-privatization. So it remains to be seen who's going to win out in that battle. Bolsonaro also has to make sure that he's keeping the farm lobby happy because the agricultural sector has benefited a lot from U.S.-China trade tensions. Uh, Brazil produces a lot of soybeans, which obviously now China is looking for a cheaper alternative to American soybeans, which have now huge tariffs on them. So that's another aspect that will likely see Brazil-China relations staying relatively warm. 
So from Beijing's point of view, they've heard all this rhetoric, but now they're wondering whether it's going to be the case of what happened in Argentina, where the current president also bashed China a lot on the campaign trail, but was a lot more pragmatic when he came into office, or whether it's going to be a lot more like Malaysia, where Mahathir Mohamed campaigned quite strongly on an anti-Chinese front and ended up cancelling around $22 billion worth of Chinese projects within the first few months of coming into office. So we'll have to wait and see. And, and Olivia, he's got some other Trumpian traits that might have an impact on China. Can you talk about some of these? Well, he is very anti-multilateral organizations. He said that he wants Brazil to leave different parts of the UN. He's probably going to scale back Brazil's involvement in organizations like BRICS, which obviously directly affects China. So if we see that Bolsonaro is really looking to scale this back seriously, that could really affect their political relationship with China. He also visited Taiwan as part of a congressional delegation in March of this year, which he became the first Brazilian presidential candidate to visit Taiwan since Brazil established diplomatic relations with China in the 1970s. So China wasn't very happy about that, but they've actually been kind of muted in the overall response. One of the analysts I spoke to said that she thought it was more of a posturing towards the global north. Bolsonaro has specifically said that he wants to break with previous administrations and look more towards building political relations with the global north, so the U.S., Israel, South Korea. Olivia, David, thanks for taking the time. Uh, We'll see how things play out uh, once he's settled in in coming weeks and months, and we will check back in with you. Thank you. And that's this week's show. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is powered by SupChina and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Tanner Brown with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. This week, we debut the latest member of the Seneca Network family, Ta for Ta, a show about women in China at the top of their professional game. Be sure to follow the news every day at SupChina. Sign up for our free email newsletter at subchina.com. Take care.